back on Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing you up now for some film study. One of Jeff, I, I think, his best fortes. I'm, I'm always impressed with some of the stuff you present here, so I'm interested to see what you're bringing to the table today. You know, I, I've, I've phoned it in a little bit this week. I didn't have time to, like, put these in any specific order. But, you know, as I went through the film, I kind of pulled out a bunch of plays that stood out to me. And so... They're just going to run and I'm just going to stop them as they happen and kind of go through why I pulled them out. And this game was a lot of fun to watch when the offensive line is playing well, when the defensive line is playing well, you know, when the other team really isn't doing much. Those are the games that are fun to go through the film on. And that was very much the case this game. The Saints only had eight drives in this game. They put up 24 points and they should have been 30 at minimum. Right. There was only one real mistake by Andy Dalton. And when you kind of look back at the tape, it was really just a missed penalty. There was that, that play that Trayvon Merrig kind of intercepted the ball, but he was out of bounds. Well, you know, Traquan Smith would have been there to make a play on the ball, but he got held in the, you know, in the, in the Tommy Lee Lewis dead zone of calls that don't get made. So we're going to get into a lot of that. But yeah, I mean, this, this is the film that I was expecting to see when, when the season started. And so that's, that's nice. But again, this is in no particular order. Like this is the Alvin Kamara touchdown and I pulled it because it's like an example of the Raiders just having no idea what they were doing. And so what you'll see here is, <laughs> what is this guy doing? I initially looked at it like, oh, wow, what a great gigantic hole the Saints created on this second and short for a touchdown. But it's like, no, the best block was thrown by the Raiders defensive tackle, Andrew Billings. Like, yeah, what is he doing? He's auditioning for the Saints O-line here. <laughs> right. Did he forget what team he was on? You know, and you could say, well, maybe maybe Andrews Pete has a has a handful of jersey, but like he doesn't have leverage from the position he's in. This guy, I think he just got excited because he finally moved somebody, and, and he was just trying to like pancake him. I don't know, but like that's the reason that this run was so easy. Like if he disengages from Andrews Pete, who is not in good, he's that's not a good block by him. This guy is right in the hole to stop Alvin Kamara, but instead. He's way out of position, and, you know, Jawan Johnson didn't block this well. It actually wasn't that well-blocked of a play. You know, like Nick Vanette missed his block here. Jawan Johnson misses his block here, and this, this, this guy. But because Andrew Billings got so excited about pushing Andrews Pete out of the way, this is like the easy, an easy touchdown. And uh, it's just like that's an example of, like, this Raiders team is, is bad, and it's not about the talent level they had on it. It's about the fact that they can't do simple things at a, at a level that you should be able to do. And that's on coaching. You know, that's on Josh McDaniels. Like if I'm Josh McDaniels and I've already flamed, like, like Josh McDaniels and Dennis Allen are in very similar situations with their teams or in their, their second head coaching stint where they failed in their first one. You know, there's a lot of questions about why these guys keep getting chances as head coaches. And like they, Dennis Allen won that battle in this game. Like if I'm, if I'm Josh McDaniels, you know, I'm not feeling good about about the fact that I've now I've now kind of run another team into the ground. I just think this is pretty amusing with the Camaro run. Like I uh, just said, it looks like he's auditioning for Saints O-line work there on the Raiders. So, yeah, a guy we talked about a lot after the game was Alante Taylor, you know, and he's a guy who has had a rough rookie season. Right. He was dealing with an injury in training camp. He had an injury after week two is kind of his kind of coming out party against the Bucks. He missed four weeks. He came back, was immediately thrown into the fire against DeAndre Hopkins, then had to show up and, and play De- Devontae Adams the next week, right? And anytime you're a rookie getting a starting in a starting role, you're going to get targeted. And that's what happened in this game. He was targeted 10 times 
by Derek Carr in this game. He allowed four catches. You know, that, that does, that's not an accident. Like, they were going after him, and he held up. And I think that's, that's pretty impressive for a rookie. And you, you know, too, of, with talking with Taylor, that his personality is bring it on. Yeah, he's as confident as it comes. And here's a good example. Like, this is a play where you're very much – your goal here is to go after the rookie in coverage. So he's on the outside. You have the tight end coming off the line, and he's going to just take this, like, little in, in route. And so he's getting picked up by Alante Taylor. And you can tell that, that Derek Carr is looking for that matchup because if you watch what happens, you know, you have Devontae Adams coming in this, the, the, uh, the post or the deep over, and he ends up being wide open. But, but Derek Carr is locked in on the tight end over the middle. And I mean, he's not wide open. You do have a safety here, but this is where I would have gone with the ball. <laughs> I want to throw it to Devontae Adams. Instead, the ball comes here to the tight end and Alante Taylor is in perfect coverage. He should have intercepted it. He's mad at himself. Like, that's, that's the perfect example of like, okay, who is Alante Taylor? He has this great pass breakup, and he's mad because he didn't intercept it. Right. Like, that's, that's the confidence level for a rookie in that moment. Where, and he's also matching up with a tight end. Like, that's not easy. He's not a slot cornerback, but hey, you might need one. So when you bring Marshawn back down the road, whether, you know, he ends up kind of working into the slot or you do what I think would make more sense and you put Paulson Adebo in the slot and you have those guys on the outside, you know, one way or another, I think you're benefiting from that uh, for a team that is now kind of in the limbo at slot corner, right? You think Chris Harris is fine. He's done it for a while and he's good at it, but you'd like an upgrade there. And um, I think one of those guys is going to be either Paulson Adebo or Elante Taylor. There is a good chance too, that we get PJ Williams back who could also play, play in that role as well. Yeah, I, I've never been a huge fan of PJ in the slot, at least not this season. I thought he he might profile there, but I just don't know if he's good enough in coverage. I, I think he's a better free safety, though, than what they have on the roster. This ex, yeah. this play is actually a good example of that. This is the first third down play. Um, I think it was third and 12 for the Raiders. And, you know, it's an interesting look because you have six defensive backs, you have three linemen, you have two linebackers, and eight of them are right here. <laughs> They are all up there and it's just a kind of a fire zone look where you're making them have to guess who's going to come and who's going to drop out, right? You're going to send five and, and the guy you send, I believe is, I think you send both these guys. I think you send Marcus May and Chris Harris and their pressure is what allows you to kind of force this early throw. But it's also just another example of like the Raiders just failed to take advantage of this because I think this is a bust by the Saints, I think that's Alante Taylor at the top. And you can see this is probably one of the few mistakes he made in this game. He jumps this route here and he leaves Mac Collins all of this space on third and 12. Like Mac Collins, it was going to settle into that space. You can see he's slowing down and he's expecting Derek Carr to just loft it into the, what it's called the turkey hole. So Deuce McAllister told me it's the turkey hole, which is the space between the corner and the safety. And instead of that, he gets, throws it all the way out to the 48. Like he's throwing the go. And Matt Collins is sitting there in space, like, okay, first down, get me the ball. And Derek Carr is unable to get it to him. Part of that is because Chris Harris gets home on the rush, right? So that makes it a little more difficult because Derek Carr doesn't have the opportunity to just sit and see that Mac is settling down. So this is Chris Harris right here. And he's coming in. And so he has to throw it there. And he goes too far downfield. Justin Evans is the deep safety here. And I think that's why, like, when I say I think P.J. Williams might make more sense, I don't think Justin Evans is a particularly good deep safety. I think he's better served coming downhill and making tackles. So I think that's, that's, that, that would be P.J. Williams in a perfect world uh, where you have Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, and 
Chris Harris up at the line, kind of pressuring the quarterback, and you have PJ Williams out there in space. But, you know, I think that's just a good example of like that was right there for the taking by the Raiders, and they just weren't unable to take advantage. And that was kind of the story of this game. Yeah, hopefully the Saints defense can take advantage of a Baltimore offense that has definitely not been wowing anyone this season at all either. Even in the ground game, I feel like, you know, Lamar Jackson has his moments, but the passing game from him has surely been inconsistent. Yeah, and they don't have – their weapons are not necessarily there, right? Like Rashad right. Bateman's hurt. I think we mentioned that. You know, Gus Edwards is dealing with an injury. Mark Andrews is dealing with an injury. There's a chance that none of those guys are there. So the weapons they're going to have to be thrown to are, are limited. Now, Saints are still going to have to contain Lamar Jackson and Devin DuVernay, who is probably the fastest guy in the NFL. Um, so that's going to be tough. You know, they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks in the past. And if they struggle again, it could be a long day. But I think this is a team that's kind of figuring it out a little bit in that regard. So who knows? I've been impressed with DuVernay this year. I had to look it up. I've, his name, I, I thought it sounded like a guy who's from this area, but he's not. It does sound like a Louisiana name, doesn't it? Yeah. One of the things that was that I thought this game made very clear was, you know, you can question the decision to go with Andy Dalton. You can say, I'd rather see Jameis Winston in there, whatever. You know, Andy Dalton played really well in this game, and it was an important moment for him to play really well because I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on that. And if he came out and laid a dud, that would have continued to happen. So the fact that he was able to go out there and have the performance that he did was big for him. And it was big for the Saints who wanted to build some confidence going into this really tough stretch of games. But there was one play in this game that I thought that he made a glaring mistake in the sense that, what are you doing throwing this ball? And while I still think it was probably, you know, a throw you don't make, it wasn't as bad as it looked in real time. So what you're going to have is, you know, Traquan Smith kind of coming here and working upfield. And he, the, the corner just does not sink with him and gets beat. And the reason you're throwing this when you do is because you see the corner is beat. So you're throwing it early, but the corner just reaches out and grabs him, grabs his arm and pulls him back. And so that's why Trey isn't where the ball is. And that's a hold. That's a penalty. Like you can see, like Trey's like looking up, like, what, what do I do? And the ball comes down and Trayvon Mary gets it. And so like, this is an example of when you're watching it on the broadcast, you're not seeing everything unless they show you that hold which I don't know if they did because I was watching it in real time. It's a play where, oh, oh, what a bad decision by the, by the quarterback to throw that ball. But in reality, it's a bad play by the refs because he wasn't able to spot that obvious hold. You know, and so that was like the only really bad decision I thought Andy Dalton made. And it really was just a, you know, give, give Traquan a chance to make a play because we've seen him make that catch in that spot, in that area of the field against the Bucks in the playoffs. It was a very similar play, caught a touchdown uh, in the AFC championship there. So, you know, it's. I don't think it was a, as necessarily a bad decision or a bad throw. It's just bad officiating. I was going to say too. Yeah, that that area seems to be a dead zone for flags and again for the for the Saints in the Superdome. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get a pass interference call in the Superdome, throw it literally anywhere else. If you throw to that part of the field, you will not get a flag. <laughs> it's just kind of how it works. Yeah, and Andy was definitely impressive last game, and he needed that obviously after that three pick performance. And I think you broke that down too, where you could really say that just one of those interceptions was his fault. The question is like, always like, okay, was it a bad decision or was it a, was it not right? Like, cause interceptions happen. If you're being aggressive and you're giving your guys a chance, you're going to throw interceptions. That's why I think the, the criticism of James Winston throwing a lot of interceptions isn't necessarily fair because it's like, I don't care about the number. I care about the circumstances and over time, the, you know, the number kind of outweighs it, right? When you throw 30, 
you don't get the benefit of the doubt that maybe your receivers are tipping the ball up in the air. But like when you're looking at an individual game and individual decisions, then you have to consider the fact that like, okay, maybe you threw the ball right into your receiver's hands and he tipped it up in the air and, and the ball went to the defender, right? Like that happened. But like, and that's what happened on that one interception against, against Arizona. There was another play where you got hit, right? We talked right. about how good the old line has been on that play. They allowed the quarterback to get hit and it was an interception. So like, it wasn't necessarily the decision was bad. And I think that's why when Dennis Allen comes back and says, well, you know, it's not really his fault, blah, blah, blah. It's more about, did he make the wrong decision in that moment? Because if you're constantly making the wrong decision, then you're, you're, you're messing up, <laughs> you know, like the decision to throw the ball to Marquez Callaway when he was double covered in the end zone earlier in the game. Yeah. Bad decision. In this case, I'm not sure it's a bad decision, even if it is an interception, because if the ref makes the right call, then it doesn't matter. If Traquan doesn't get fouled, he's, he's there to at least make a play on the ball so that it's not an easy interception. So I can't criticize the decision making. Yeah, totally. I see what you're saying there. And yeah, from, for me last game, Dalton seemed pretty on point with everything. I mean, the, the, the offense, the defense, everything was just really working well all together. But uh, Andy was your perfect game manager. I would say last game, he needs yeah. to be a game manager and make the plays when they're available. And that's what he has done, you know? And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if this offense would look better with Jameis Winston in there. It'd be hard to right now with what with, with you look at the numbers they're producing. If nothing else, you just don't know right. whether it would look better. And if you don't need it to look better, right? If, if you are satisfied with the production you're getting, and I think the last four weeks you have been, then you know maintaining what you have and making sure that the defense is, is doing its job, you, know, you, you kind of live with that. And I, that's why I understand, I understand where Dennis Allen is coming from in that regard. So this is an interesting one. You know, Rashid Shahid is going to break a punt return in the near future. And I think one of the things that's holding him back right now is he's trying not to make a mistake. Hmm. And I think that cost him possibly a return touchdown on this play. This is the first punt of the game, and you can see the gunner actually falls down. So, like, he's out of position. There is no containment on the backside if he's able to get to the edge. And you can also see, like, this is a very deep punt, but he effectively outkicks his coverage. You can see how much space Rashid has to operate. Now, being a kick returner is not that complicated. You have to know where your, where your blockers are, and you have to know where the, the strength of the coverage is. And you just have to find a seam where you can kind of split that and get upfield. And I think if he had this back, he would be more aggressive with it. UDFA in his third career game, probably doesn't want to spend too much time going laterally, right? Like that's what you hear. It's like, get up field, get the yards. We'll worry about the big returns when they happen, but we don't need to, we don't need to make a bad play trying to make a big play. And so you can see right here, you have a blocker here. He's going to kind of swing around and pick up this defender. And if he gets there, you have no one to make a play, (laughs) right? There's so much space and you have, I think that's Elante Taylor making a block here. Instead, I think the instincts of, you know what, wanna, I don't want to screw this up. I don't want to make a mistake by trying to, trying to make a big play. And so I'm going to work straight up field. Well, you can see, like, you have no blockers and you have five defenders. And so that's what happens here. Like, the, the, you, you were able to get positive yardage on the punt return, and that's good. That is your goal number one. But I think three, four, five games from now, if he's still in that role and he's got a little bit more confidence and he feels a little more secure – 
he's going to break it around the edge because you can see like Bryce Thompson does make his block. Like the block is made pretty well. And like the question is like, okay, he's facing the wrong direction right now. Can he swing around and make that block? But he does. He gets there. And so if you had just worked it a little bit more laterally and you trusted to make the block, you got one guy to beat. And and that guy is being accosted by Alante Taylor. So, you know, I, I, I think the ability is definitely there. He has the instincts. I think he wanted to go outside. I, I'm interested if we're able to talk to him in the locker room this week, if if like he wants that one back, because I would bet that that he sees this on film and, and he's like, ah, man, I missed one. Um, but either way, one way or another, it's only a matter of time where Sheet is going to return a kick for a touchdown. And it's just going to be a question of how long it is. Yeah, really nitpicking stuff with him. But yeah, last week too, he had that where he kind of fell to the turf in Arizona. And now this week, it looks like, like you pointed out here, he had a whole bunch of a green ahead of him. If he could have just busted that to the outside a little more. And that'll be interesting to see, hear from him to see uh, what he saw on that film and what he was thinking. I just got to imagine it's so hard to process as you're, as you're running at such a high rate, you know, going into a return like this. But obviously, if you want this job, that's something you're going to have to do. Yeah. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, he had a positive return. I think it was like an eight yard return. So it's like, you're not going to complain too much. Like you're very much nitpicking because your first priority is to make sure you receive, catch the ball, right? Secure it. Your second priority is make sure you don't give it, give it up, <laughs> right? You don't want to give up negative yards. So you want to get under it and catch it. And then you want to make sure you hold on to it. So like he did all of those things, you know, and you, you, the the frustrating part is like, you don't get that many opportunities in today's NFL to actually return a kick. Right. Like kickers are so good. They're, they're so good at angling kicks that it's, you know, you just kind of got to take advantage of when they're there. I think, oh, there's only been one kick return for a touchdown this year, and it was Devin Duvernay. So, like, it doesn't happen that often. And so when you see an opportunity to get one and you don't take advantage of it, it's a bummer. But I think he's going to be fine. Here's one more play on the defensive side of the ball for a guy who I think hasn't been talked about enough. I think we did mention him on the post-game podcast, and that's Kentavious Street right here. This play is set up for a big gain by Josh Jacobs. The only reason it doesn't happen is because Kentavious Street wins clean right there before the ball is even handed off. And he is in the backfield. He reads the handoff, and he goes and gets Josh Jacobs. The Saints are outflanked on this play. He doesn't make the tackle. Josh Jacobs is running for a while. The only guy downfield is this guy, is Tyron Matthew, who we've already established is not the premier tackler from the safety position. And I don't think it's even a criticism. If you give Josh Jacobs a head of steam and say, okay, Tyron, go try to tackle him in the open field, Tyron might not get up. Like <laughs> that is a that is a bulldozer that you were asking your five nine safety to go to go pick up. So like Kentavious Street, Gold Star, you know, he didn't have a huge game. He he's only in on like 25% of the snaps, but he made an impact on that drive. And so, you know, that's that's really what you're hoping for from a defensive interior that has struggled. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. nice to see the Saints run defense show up this game against one of the uh the better backs in the NFL, at least of the last over the last, what was it, three, three games, I think he was averaging close to 150 yards a game. And just be able to put the clamps on him obviously was was huge and and affecting the pass game as well for the Raiders but that that kind of tackling too uh you know seeing guys putting that effort out is something that's contagious as well no and and you know Josh Jacobs I think he was third in the NFL in rushing I don't know what he is after week eight but he was going into it um and yeah I mean you gotta you gotta be tough you gotta stop the run and that's what the Saints were able to do this week this is the third down play where Taysom Hill gets the ball 
And we talked about how the Saints hadn't been throwing to Taysom Hill. And this might be the easiest third and six conversion in the history of the NFL. Because look at what happens. Like Taysom Hill is just sitting there in the slot, offset, just takes like four steps downfield. Oh, hey. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Hey. Hey. Guys, I'm wide open. Throw me the ball. He does. You know, easy person, pitch and catch, first down conversion. You know, and like that's the look for Taysom in the passing game. Look for Taysom on easy completions, right? If they're ignoring him, if they if they are like not paying him any attention, and the Raiders ignored the middle of the field about as hard as you could in this game, uh, give him the ball, get him the ball in space, right? Let him give him a chance to make positive gains, and uh, that's what you did here. It's what they were able to do in the red zone against the Cardinals, and so like that's what I like to see in this offense a little more is like don't just ignore Taysom in the passing game. Like at least be aware of where he is, so that if he is uncovered. <laughs> You throw him the ball because there have been a couple times this season where it felt like he was just de-emphasized to the point that they weren't even paying attention to him and you you missed an opportunity because of it. So I'm glad they took advantage of it here because I this was not a play that was drawn up to throw to Taysom Hill. This is a play that they threw to him because he was standing alone in the middle of the field. And so I want to see more of that. Was it You were giving me a stat about separation and was it this game that Taysom wasn't getting separation? I think that was a. I think that's an error on the next gen stats. He had. It, it seemed pretty wild, right? He had zero yards of separation. Seems impossible. Because on that play alone, you think that would skew the numbers upward? Because yeah, yeah. So I wasn't sure if it was this game or the previous game you had mentioned. No, it was this game, and I think that okay. was just an error. Because I don't think you can have zero yards of separation. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> but all right, that's the end of my film grab bag for the week. Um, I love it. I look forward to it. It was nice to be able to point out positive things for a change. Yes, definitely. Um, oh, you know what? Here's one more. So that end around, that failed end around. Now, if you remember, if you go back to the Vikings game in week four with Justin Jefferson coming around and, you know, you have that little inside handoff and Marcus Davenport never even got out of his stance. It was, like Justin Jefferson was gone. And so uh, he was not going to let that happen in this on this play. And Tyron Matthew actually mentioned the Vikings game because it was the same same scenario. And this time, Marcus Davenport was not having it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, sir. Look at how hyped. Is that Alante Taylor coming in? Yeah, he does a little flex. Oh, is that Malcolm Roach? I think it's Malcolm Roach. Oh, that's This is Alante Taylor doing the flex. But no, it's, yeah. it's Malcolm Roach who's, who's, who's coming through hyped. And remember, this is a fourth down play. Or no, this is a third down play to start the second quarter. And I think right after this was the fake punt that got stopped. So this is a big play in the game. Uh, and I think the, the Raiders were looking at film and they were like, oh, this worked. We can run this play. And Marcus said no. I like angry Marcus. Yeah, I agree. He still only has half a sack on the season, but it's not his fault. It was Paul Sandibos' fault for holding. That is the end of the film study edition. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, go check out the YouTube version if you want to actually see the plays. I try to do a good job of describing the plays, but I know obviously your eyes are helpful. So, you know, make sure to check that out, WWL Sports. But yeah, was, uh, I always have a good time doing that. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's always a treat for me as well. I love the breakdown just to see it. A lot of times I don't go back and, and see some of these plays that, you know, you've seen before, seen in during game time, and to see them coming back on film uh, with you really breaking it down, I think is really beneficial for me and for the fans. Yeah, I mean, the All-22 is important. Like, I, I think what I try to instill in people is like, don't ever overreact to what you see on the broadcast because they're not necessarily showing you everything happening at the same time. Like there will be times where some like they'll like the the broadcasters aren't even sure what's coming up, and so they'll watch a play and then they get showed this replay of guys running by themselves down the field. Well, there are times where 
they're only open because the ball's already out. And it's like, so that's a clip of a guy being by himself. And I'd be like, wow, he missed that one. I'm like, eh, eh. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, obviously not everyone has access to the all 22. It's, it's kind of a pain to get to because the NFL sucks. Uh, but <laughs> I know you've had glowing things to say about their, uh, the way it works and how you can control the, the, the video. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we close off? No, just getting ready for this week of practice and definitely uh, what this Baltimore Ravens team has in store. And man, finally not a noon game. It's been it's been a while. Actually, not really. Thursday night football. Now we're going into Monday night football. But this one is at home at least. We still haven't had a non-noon Sunday game. I think there's one in San Francisco that's a 3 o'clock game. Is it? Is it a 325? I believe so. That would make believe- sense because they usually don't play noon starts in, in out west. But yeah, there's no Sunday night game. Uh, it's just a lot of noon Sundays. But yeah, so and that that is something to mention. So this week's practice is going to be a little different because they're a day behind. So I believe their full schedule is going to start on Thursday. Like the first injury report of the week will come out on Thursday. And then the final one of the week will come out on Saturday. And hopefully we see names like Limited, Michael Thomas, Limited, Marshawn Lattimore. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful they've gotten like four extra days of rest since week seven. I think that's helpful. I think that's part of the reason they look so good in this game is because they finally got some time to just recover and recuperate. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I'd mentioned previously another, there was a lot of positives and a lot of happiness on that sideline this past game. But for me, seeing Michael Thomas there Mm -hmm. and all enjoy high five and his teammates really looking like a guy who wants to be there. I know a lot of folks have been critical about Michael Thomas not wanting to be a part of this team. He looks like a guy that's ready to come back, and I'm hoping that's the case this week. It'd be huge for a Monday night football game in the Superdome. Yeah, I, I think this is the week that, that Mike comes back. I think it is. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Let's, let's I don't go. know if he comes back and plays. I think this is the week that Mike gets back to practice. But you know, if he it. doesn't, I never said that. Right. We go there Thursday, and it's like uh, not practicing. Oh, I told you guys. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say anything. It's like it's like those people on Twitter who were amazed at Sweezer Ruiz. Anyway, all right, that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed already, why not? Go hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, head over to your podcast app. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, go over to YouTube, do that. But uh, as always, I appreciate everyone who watches. We did this in the middle of the, the middle of the day on a Tuesday, and we have a hundred people in here watching. I always appreciate that. Thanks, everyone. You, you're great. And uh, yeah, we'll be back at this. We'll have it'll be a little weird because the schedule is different, but our Friday episode will still will still be coming at you, even though it's a day it's a day earlier than you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see too if we fi- if we hear from Andy Dalton right in the start of the week, since we know he is the dude now. Sure, we'll hear from him at least once. Yeah, I know it's typically been on a Friday. Maybe it will be again. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Peace. Later, Saints fans.